Hello, my friend. Welcome to the It's Happening For Me podcast. If you're obsessed with all things spirituality, personal growth and development, and living as your highest self, you are in the right place. I am your host, Alyssa, and I spent the majority of my teenage years and young 20s living totally out of alignment. As I started to question my patterns and behaviors and actually got to know myself at the soul level, I realized that everything was happening for me. Now, as a spiritual life coach and human design guide, I am here to share my voice, personal stories, human design wisdom, and learn from incredible individuals living their purpose. Join me each week as we walk the spiral path of purpose together. I cannot wait to dive in. Hello, my babes. Welcome back to another episode of the It's Happening For Me podcast. I am your host, Alyssa, and I'm so happy you're here today. So in honor of me practicing opening my Akashic Records, I wanted to open my records and just ask, what do you want me to talk about today? Like what wants to come through? And what I got was relationships. And so I have been in my current relationship going on eight years, and I'm definitely not an expert in dating, so I'm not going to be talking about dating tips. I'm not going to be talking about things that I can't speak on, but I really feel called to tie this in a lot with the Gene Keys. You know, the past couple of weeks, maybe month and a half, I've really been focusing on the Venus sequence, which is all about love and relationships. And so I've been having all these crazy insights, downloads, and love and relationships is something that we all can relate to. Like, I think that is the human desire that we all have is to be in love and to have a loving relationship. And so whether you are single or in a relationship right now, whether you're in a very healthy, committed relationship that feels very expansive and juicy, or maybe you're in a relationship where um, it's starting to not feel so good and maybe you're kind of just like going through the motions, but it doesn't really feel passionate anymore. You don't really feel connected to your partner. Maybe you're in a situationship and it's stressful AF and heartbreaking. And wherever you are, I think this episode will be helpful. And I'm just excited to dive into it and kind of talk about some past experiences I've had and then kind of interweave in some kind of key concepts from the gene keys and what it says about relationships and then also have like channeled message messages come through um to just give us some guidance because girl we all deserve to be in love oh my gosh i have to tell you guys so i just had to pause um my recording right now and it's funny how spirit will test the shit out of you or like bring things up, especially when you're talking about it. And I think especially because I have the records open and I'm talking about relationships. I'm going to be talking about patterns, our shadows. Um, It's funny because, so we live in a one bedroom apartment and the way we have it set up right now is George's like anime world and office and like all of his stuff to go like live streaming is in the bedroom. And then in our living room, it's like, I made it my room. And then I set up like my office and it's so cute. I freaking love it. It's like big, it's open. I have like such a beautiful view outside. But the thing is, 
it can feel like I don't have any privacy because I can't just like close myself into a room. So it's like if George wants to come out of his room and like go to the kitchen or like go to the bathroom, it's like he's walking by. And I'm still at the point where it's like really uncomfortable and awkward for me to record a podcast where I feel like somebody can hear me, especially him. And especially because the topic today is going to be about like relationships. It's going to be like, it's just like, I don't want him listening to that, you know? And so I just like witnessed myself getting so um, impatient and agitated, which are two of my shadows as he like came out and was like, oh, I just want to like lay down for a while and lay with peanut. And I was like, oh my god dude I'm recording right now like what have you been doing this whole day now you want to do this now um and so he agreed to leave me alone and close the door so that I can have total silence and like privacy but it was just funny because I was like oh of course this would happen right now and bring me into my raging shadow states right when I'm about to talk about patterns and relationships so wow so hilarious okay so anyways so I wanted to kind of talk about like my experience with love growing up and I was always and I don't know if you can relate to this but I was always somebody who just like wanted to be in love like I would visualize probably when I was like in middle school, I would visualize my boyfriend in high school, like picking me up. And like, I would be walking down the stairs of my house and like in my prom dress and we would go to prom and it was so romantic. And I had all of these like little like fantasies of that, of like, oh, like going to prom and having a boyfriend and doing all these fun things with him. And I always just like wanted to be in love. Like I always had this vision and this like idea of like, oh, if I'm just with my person, then no matter what I do, no matter if I have to move somewhere, no matter if life gets difficult, at least I'll have this person and I'll be so happy. And so I kind of went into the world like seeking that. And I instantly was met with heartache when I opened my heart to love. And so I think the most like heartbreaking things can happen when we're in high school because we're in those like puppy love stages where it's like your first love or the you know the first time you're really opening yourself up to somebody else and it's like you're infatuated with this person and it's like all you can think about and it's like so exciting and um and then when you get your heart broken it's like so painful and I remember, so there was, before I entered into like my first love, I would say like my first long-term boyfriend, we were in kind of like on and off for seven years. That started, I think when I was like 16. But before that, I had two boys that I liked. One I had met from like a family friend that we had. She lived probably like 30 minutes away. And so when um, one time when I went to visit her and hang out with her on the weekends, we would like trade off of like going to each other's houses on the weekends. And so one time when I went to hers, she had all of these friends, like all of these guy friends in middle school. I didn't really have any guy friends at my, at my school, but anyways, we would go and like hang out with her guy friends. And then I really started liking this one boy. And I remember, um, we met 
the two of them like at a taco shop or something and they were like skateboarders they were like little skaters and then we were just like riding on their skateboards like down this hill like sitting on the skateboard and going down the hill and I was like oh my god I think I like like this guy so much and so then I had this like crush on him and then we started talking this was literally no I think this wasn't middle school this was high school this was like maybe freshman year and I had no experience with like boys or dating. And so I was just like, oh, wow, I like him so much. And I think we like started talking on Messenger and it was just like really like dumb. But like at the time I was like, oh my God, I like him so much. And then like we would hang out whenever we would go to her house, um, whenever I would go to my friend's house and like we would watch movies and like go like to the mall. That was like our favorite place was like to meet up to go to the mall. And I remember I was so nervous to kiss a boy. And I think this is because my core wound is inadequacy. And so my whole life, it's that feeling of like not feeling like I'm good enough. And so my fear was like, oh my God, like I don't know how to kiss somebody. I'm going to be horrible. Like I don't know how to do it. So I remember like I would not kiss him for months. I was just like so scared. Like I was like, oh my God, I'm never going to kiss this person because I'm so nervous. And then I remember like one day, like I was like, okay, I'm just going to do it. I think I even like talked to him like, I don't know how to do it. I'm so nervous. And then, um, yeah, so I ended up kissing him and then that's all we did was like kiss each other. And then I remember like a couple weekends later, I went to hang out with them at the mall. And one of our mutual friends like told me that, oh, he's he's cheating on you. Like, um, he went to a show with this girl and like made out with her. And it's so silly to think about, you know, because it's like, oh, he's cheating on you. Like we weren't even together. You know, it's just I just like this person, happened to kiss him. I thought we were like boyfriend and girlfriend, but who even knows if we were? It was just like so ridiculous. But it literally crushed me like I remember I was just like oh my god I hate you and my friend and I at the time we got on the trolley at the mall and like went back to where we live or like just to get away from them and I was just crying and crying and that was like my first taste of heartbreak and it was so sad and it was a feeling of being inadequate of like wow like I'm not good enough they he likes someone else more than me like how could he do this it was the first time feeling deceived like it was just really sad because I was so innocent and so that was like my first little taste of heartbreak and then I remember the second one I like really liked my neighbor like I had such a crush on my neighbor and he was older than me so he was probably like two or three grades older than me I think he was a senior actually when I was like a freshman and so I had such a crush on him but he was embarrassed of me and so he wouldn't like really talk to me at school but we would hang out with each other outside of school we would talk to each other like on the phone all the time and so it was like, but he was embarrassed that I was like a freshman, like a lame freshman and he was like a senior. And so that also kind of activated these inadequate wounds of like, oh, I'm not cool enough for somebody to actually like talk to me in in front of other people at school because I'm such a loser or like I'm not good enough. Um, And looking back again, these things can be laughable now, but in the time it was just so sad. And I remember I had one of my best friends come visit me from out of state and I had to like go babysit. Um, I had to go babysit my other neighbor. And so they hung out when I wasn't there. And then on MySpace, I don't know if you guys can remember MySpace, like the next day he removed, like he put her as like in his top five or whatever it was. I don't remember what it was, like top four, top eight, but he put my best friend as like the top one. And then they were like, 
I don't know, pretending like they were dating. It was just really weird and really like shitty. And that's the first time that I started having this pattern of like the people that I really like, liking my friends. And so that was extremely heartbreaking. And it's so heartbreaking, especially when it's like your best friend and she's not necessarily doing anything wrong. Like me and this person, we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend. We weren't like officially dating, but it's like, you still know that I like this person. Like I have such a huge crush on this person and like the pain of like not being able to like hang out or talk to each other at school because he's embarrassed that I'm a freshman and then putting my best friend on his top like four whatever you know like top eight on MySpace for everyone to see like you know everyone on MySpace it was so heartbreaking it was that it was just activating that pattern of like inadequacy not being good enough like my friend is better than me and it's like it's like what is going on and so I really didn't know how to feel those emotions or how to like I didn't know how to get past that because I didn't have my own relationship with myself yet and my self-worth was not built up like I was very um, insecure very not confident when I was in middle school and high school even like outside of high school probably until like my probably until like 28, 29, 30. That's when I started getting real, like my confidence, like really confident. And guess what also happened at that time? My spiritual awakening, you know, and like diving into personal growth and development and strengthening this relationship with myself. And it's like, before I had that, I was extremely insecure, jealous, and just always living in my shadow frequencies. So then fast forward to having the first, like my first real boyfriend in high school. And I would say that was like definitely puppy love. Like I think we both really loved each other and it was like really like so cool to experience. Very innocent, very pure. Um, Like that's who I lost my virginity to. And it was just like, I, I wouldn't regret that ever. I feel like that was like very it was very special, very, um, loving. And I know a lot of people don't have that experience. And like, I even see like some people are in in such a rush to like make it happen or, um, they just want to quote unquote, get it over with. And I was never like that. I don't know if it was like the inadequacy thing, but I was always like really afraid of it, um, because I just thought it was going to suck. And I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so it was just like a very loving, beautiful thing. Um, and then, you know, life happens and certain things start coming, like started coming up. We both like to drink a lot. So now you're adding in alcohol and then you're adding in jealousy. You're adding in all of the shadow frequencies that I have, agitation, impatience. And then the same thing started happening again with like my friends and him, him liking my friends. Um, really not feeling like secure in the relationship. And then I think we both cheated on each other. And then it was kind of like, we ended up just staying together when we should have broken up. And then it was kind of like an off and on relationship that lasted seven years that became very toxic and it should have ended like before it did. But the thing is, is that we have, we create this karmic pattern.
patterns in our relationships. And this is what I really, really like the Jane case. Because as I was like exploring the Venus sequence and just exploring what Richard Rudd says about like our emotional, mental, and spiritual IQs in relationships, we get in this pattern where he calls it the... I think he calls it the Eden loop, where we keep looping. If we're in a shadow part pattern with somebody and we keep activating each other, we're activating each other's mental and emotional reactions. And until someone else gets out of it or stops reacting, it's like this loop that continues and continues and continues. So if you've ever been in a relationship where you guys kind of hate each other, but you also really love each other. It's kind of like extremes, like passionate, but also a lot of hate and a lot of disrespect, a lot of um, just, yeah, like not respecting the relationship, whether that's even not cheating or cheating or just um, maybe like being disrespectful to each other when you guys are arguing or whatever it is. Like it's like beyond normal arguing in relationships. It's like you and this this pattern happens in normal healthy relationships too. It just it takes one person to get out of this loop, which I'm gonna talk about how to do in a second because it's so freaking fascinating. But if you've ever been in a toxic relationship, for example, um Richard really talks about like the only Richard says this in relationships, if you are someone who ends relationships too quickly because it's getting hard and you don't want to like work through it, you're going to continue to attract the same relationships until you heal that karmic lesson that you need to learn. The only exception to this is toxicity. So if you are being cheated on, you know, if you're in an abusive relationship, those are the reasons why it's very important to end the relationship because there is like nothing that you can work on at that point. And it's also like preserving your self-respect, your dignity, your health, your wellness is not engaging in toxic relationships. So I let that relationship go on for way too long and I endured way so much heartache and just so much pain, so much reactivations of wounds of like not being chosen again, not being chosen again. Um, And it was just unnecessary. And I was living in this state of like constant jealousy, constant insecurities, constantly wondering what's going on and it was just, yeah, it just became super toxic. So if that's ever happened to you, um, that is like pretty much the only logical, healthy thing to do would be to leave the relationship, which some people never leave the relationship. And we, we hear about this, you know, and what I started doing is my friends and, and people that I was closest to, um, I stopped sharing with them the bad things because it was like so embarrassing what I would share with them like oh I'm like so mad at him for this or like I'm so over it and I would share with them the details and then it's like oh I'm back together with them like the next week and it's like they're so tired of hearing of it and they're like oh why are you back together with him when like x y and z happened and so then I just stopped sharing any of it because I was like oh I don't want to look stupid and so that's another thing like if you don't have if you don't feel comfortable to talk to like your closest friends or like your family, your mom, whoever you have like a close relationship to about like someone who is an unbiased outside support system. Like if you can't talk to them about what's going on in your relationship, it probably is toxic because you should be able to have someone outside of the relationship that you can, um, 
just have like of someone to trust to vent to and not necessarily take advice from because you're the only person that can have like you know know what's best for you but anyways so that was kind of okay so then after that um I when we like totally broke up with each other and it was like very hard to break up to be honest because I would try to break up and get away. He would always somehow contact me, come back into my life. It was very like annoying, to be honest. <laughs> and that's kind of what happens with like misery loving company people. It's like they want to keep attaching themselves to you. And so like you have to totally break free, which is really hard to do. So I kind of totally broke free for a while. And then I was like, oh, wow, I'm in my single era, single dating era. And so then I was faced with this new challenge of like, how do I date? Like, I literally have had a boyfriend for seven years um, since I was a teenager. So I don't really even know myself. And so what I was doing is I was using alcohol as like a coping mechanism for um, social anxiety, for feeling insecure, not feeling confident in myself. And so I just thought that everyone just drank and that's how you met people was like at bars or like on dating apps and you would go like get a beer or get a drink and I just thought that's like how you did it I didn't know that you could like meet somebody outside of that and so that proved to be challenging as well like I think I've only went on like a couple dates and it just like it just I just didn't like it like it was just nothing great came from it and yeah, it just like wasn't fruitful for me. So if you are someone who is currently single and you're on the dating apps, I would love for you. I would actually like love to have someone on and talk to them about it because I'm very curious. Like, how is it? Like, how do you find people these days? I have no idea. I would love, to, I think it would be cool to have somebody's like tips and tricks on how do you actually date now? And like, is it through dating apps? Is it through just doing things that you love um, to do? I would really like to know that. But anyway, so the dating apps didn't really work for me. Um, then I ended up finding myself in a situationship. And so I think a lot of us find ourselves in these. And it was the neighbor of one of my friends at the time. And I really started liking him. I met him at like a party that she had one day and he was like her next door neighbor. And then I ended up moving in with her into the apartment and I was just like, oh my God, like he's going to San Diego State. I think he was going for like architecture or something. And I just thought that was so hot because in the past, like I had never really dated somebody who like had like a professional career or was like going for a professional career, which is just so funny. And so I was like, oh my God, he's going to be in architecture. And he was a foreign exchange student from Saudi Arabia. And so then I kind of find, found myself in a situationship with him where I really liked him, but I was, I didn't know how to date anyone. And so I was taking in all of like the wrong red flag things to do, which turn it could have been a relationship I think we've even talked about this in the past but kind of because of the way I was showing up it was clear to him that it wasn't a relationship so these are some of the things I would do I thought that because I had no idea what I was doing so I thought that guys liked girls who had so much friends and had such a like active social life so I would always post myself going out getting drinks um I 
thought that it was cool to like have a lot of friends. And so I would literally like answer the phone when I was with him, when it was just me and him, I would answer the phone and like talk to a girlfriend just in front of him for like a long period of time, which now is like so rude and weird. It's like, I don't know why the fuck I would do that, but I just thought it made me look cool. And like, I thought it made me look like social. And so I was like, oh, I think this is like attractive. And then I would talk so much shit about my ex-boyfriend. Like I talked about him all the time. I would like show him pictures and like, um, show him the Instagram of the girl that he like chose over me and just talk shit about her. And I thought that that like made me look better, which obviously is like super toxic. And I remember like later on when we ended up like not being like serious, it was more of just like a situation ship, like I said. And I was like, dude, I thought we were going to be like committed. Like why haven't we taken this to the next level? And he was like, I honestly thought you were still in love with your ex. Like you talk about him all of the time. I was like, oh my God, really? And so I took that little tip and going into my new relationship, which I'll fast forward to in a second, which is now George, I would never talk about my ex. Like if you ask me questions, I would talk about my past. Like he knows everything about me, but I wouldn't, I just wouldn't talk about him because that's something that I learned from that is like, guys don't like that which makes sense like nobody likes that like same with us girls like I'm not gonna want someone I'm potentially dating to always be talking about his ex like that's crazy so that I just thought was so funny um so yeah so that ended up also in heartbreak feeling like I wasn't the one being chosen and so I created this story that no one chooses me I created this story that I'm not worthy of being in a committed relationship. Like everybody just likes my friends. Everybody is, oh, even if they like me in the moment, they're going to meet my, like a friend of mine and then think they're more beautiful or more funny or more outgoing. And then they're going to choose them over me. And so it was very like toxic and it created this toxic cycle where then I didn't even want to bring guys that I liked around my friends. And it's not to say that any of my friends later on, like reciprocated that or like gave or like fed into it, but it was just an insecurity that I had. And so that was very painful. Um, and so I found myself in these patterns of just being like extremely jealous. Um, always wondering like, Oh, I wonder what, like what's really going on. And so I never felt secure. So then fast forward to when, um, I started dating George. So George was the first one who, this is the longest relationship I've been in. We've been going on eight years now and it is like the most healthy. Um, if you listen to other episodes, especially my one on why I live an alcohol-free lifestyle now, I do go into our relationship dynamics a bit more and talk about, um, a breakup that we had that lasted like a year. So I'm not going to get into that now, but if you're interested, you can check that one out. It's just like a few episodes ago. Um, but I want to talk about like what I did different going into this relationship and how things are literally night and day from where they were. And the reason why also I think it's so successful is because when we very first started dating, remember I was not on my spiritual awakening path and personal growth and development path. Like I hadn't hit that yet. So I was still in some shadow patterns. Like I still was very nervous to be around him. So like I would drink in my dorm before I would go see him. Um, I was very, very freaking jealous, like overly jealous around certain things. I would be triggered more often 
than not. And then this is what is so cool, you guys. When I went through my spiritual awakening and started on my spiritual growth journey path, I think I went through the genius sequence in the gene keys path, like on the golden path, the first path is yourself. It is diving into yourself. It is diving into your life's work, diving into your evolution. Like what is the biggest core challenge you're going to face up against is diving into your health and radiance and it's diving into your purpose. So I obviously didn't know about the gene keys at the time, but I was doing so much self-discovery that I was healing myself. And so then I was able to move on to the Venus sequence, which is healing the inner child and doing the inner child work so that I can thrive in relationships. And so I think that's where I was able to get to that path because in the Venus sequence, you are going to be unstable in relationships if you're not stable in yourself. And so for those who continue to have really big issues in relationships, the first step that they can do is to work on themselves, is to start healing those wounds, to start even just bringing awareness to what the wounds are, bringing awareness to what is their bigger purpose in life. Because I'm going to get into that too of like what is so attractive in someone is they have a purpose, like they have a mission, they have their own life going on and you are not the sole reason that they're alive because that is very um, like what's the word there's like magnetizing and then there's like retracting like it's very repelling it's very repelling when someone like when you're someone's like entire world and like they're you're all that they live for kind of like when someone's sole goal is marriage it's like okay why is your only biggest goal in life to be married because then what happens after your wedding day then what are you living for to me that's just weird and so I'll get into that too but anyways so these are some things that I think, um, sorry, I'm having like an auto, out of body experience right now, wondering if this episode is even making sense. Cause I feel like I am rambling a lot. I did take notes so that I can kind of like guide you guys on the path of what I want to talk about. And I, I wrote down the notes once I opened my records, but I hope this is making sense. Okay. Oh, there's that little core wound of inadequacy. That no, just kidding. Okay. So this is what I think hit different when me and George started dating. So first of all, we did not rush into a relationship. So we started off as friends with benefits and he made it very clear that he wants to get to know me before we make anything official. And so from the beginning, there was a lot of honesty. There was a lot of communication. It was very transparent. Like you're in, these are my intentions. This is what I want to do right now. This is you know, where I'm at. And so I was never guessing, like from the beginning, I was never wondering like, oh my God, like, what are we? Or like, where do I think it's progressing? I always knew exactly where we were at. And so it was up to me if I wanted to play on those terms. And I did, like, I was having so much fun. Like it was very passionate. It was like very, it was, it was incredible. So that's the beginning is very, um, clear boundaries. So then the second thing was not rushing into anything. One of the biggest repulsive things to me is when somebody's obsessed with me. And this also is in, this is somewhere in my, um, 
this this is somewhere in my gene keys. I forget exactly where it's at. I was looking at it the other day, but it's this thing where it's like if somebody is showing too much interest in me it's like I kind of like the chase so it's like I like the chase and then if they show too much interest in me like right off the bat which I think a lot of people can relate to it's like ew like never mind like that's weird and not coming from a wounded place of like I don't understand why you like me or not being insecure but just being like whoa like we don't even know each other so this is kind of weird and inauthentic for you to like me so much so that's something I really liked is like there wasn't that it wasn't like love bombing. I think, yes, that's a great term. So, you know, when, you know, when people talk about like narcissists or like love bombing and when people just right off the bat are like all in and they're just bombing you with this like freaking love bombing words of like, oh my God, like I can't be without you. Like you're, I don't know. I don't even know what examples of love bombing are. Let me look some up. Let's see. I am curious to see like what some examples are because they're not coming to mind, but okay. So this is how to spot a love bombing. Okay. So love bombing starts early. So it says like most relationships go through an infatuation stage known as a honeymoon stage where bonding hormones are at their highest during the first few weeks or months so it's normal for couples to be captivated by each other so definitely experienced that with George it was very captivating um very passionate okay so there's love bombing versus future talking so future future faking oh sorry love bombing versus future faking future faking means making false promises or claims about the future to get the other person to stay committed so that's kind of I think where we get this idea of fuck boys it's like future faking means like oh like I it's lying about your intentions of like oh I see this going somewhere you know maybe so that they can keep hooking up with you or like yeah I see potential of a relationship in the future when they're lying like they're not they're not really serious um and it says the faker strings the other person along without any intention of following through a future faker might tell their partner that they've booked a luxurious romantic vacation for three months from now, but never actually plan or book anything. Ooh, so it keeps the person invested in their relationship at least up until that time to the supposed vacation. And then love bombing. So gaslighting and love bombing both involve an abuser manipulating their partner so they both are used to gain control of another person and can cause the victims to question themselves. The difference lies in the, in the instigator's approach to gaining control. A gaslighter aims to control the victim by creating doubt and confusion. Oof. Hate that shit. While a love bomber seeks to control through overwhelming affection and attention. So in many cases, these two types of emotional abuse go hand in hand. Ooh, that's sketchy. When confronted, love bombers may accuse their partners of being selfish or unreasonable about boundaries. So see, like they do not want to have boundaries. If the affected partner tries to take some distance, the love bomber will do whatever they can to reel them back in. Love bombing is so unhealthy because 
It can be an indicator of insecure attachment style, and it's also common in people with narcissistic tendencies and low self-esteem. At its root, love bombing is a form of emotional abuse. Victims who continue to accept the flattery may go on to experience traumatic bonding, a type of unhealthy attachment where victims stay in abusive relationships because they feel emotionally connected to their abusers. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about, where it's weird when people come on so fast, so strong, so fast. Like, it's inauthentic. No one can like you that much when they don't even fucking know you. And so if you're someone who's being love bombed, where they're giving you, like, on like reasonable amounts of flattery and affection and attention and then they might switch it up with like what the other one they said with gaslighting of like withdrawing or like making you feel crazy they might be using both of them that can be a sign that it's a toxic relationship and so that's one of the things that I really liked about George is that it was none of that it was like very transparent like this is my intentions I don't intend on starting a relationship right now. I want to get to know you first. I take um, relationships extremely seriously. I'm all in when I'm all in. I don't know you, but I would love to get to know you. And it wasn't like fake future planning, you know, like stringing me along. It was very honest. So that's one thing that I really loved about it. Um, Another thing that I really think I really liked about it is that there were no games. Like, he, if he wanted to, he wanted to hang out with me. Like he wanted to see me and I wanted to see him. We didn't do any games of like, oh, I'm not going to text him for like this or this days. Or like, I'm not going to like respond to him. It was just like, he would ask me to hang out and I would ask him to hang out. And that's, it was very, um, like respectful and just like, oh, like I want to hang out with you. And so there wasn't any like game playing or trying to like be cool or put a certain distance in between it. And so that's one thing, that's a channel message that I wrote down when I opened my records today was that when a man genuinely likes you, they will call you, they will text you, they will give you time and attention if they like you. So anytime that you feel like they're not and I've done this in the past too, where we can make excuses for them of like, oh, like they must be busy or like they must have a lot of things going on. That is not true. Like we make time and we prioritize what is important for us. So if a guy likes you, he will call you. If a guy likes you, he will make an effort. He will want to hang out with you. He will plan things. He just will. That like guys are very easy. Um, The other thing that I wrote down that was channeled that is very true, is that it's not that they're bad communicators. If they just want to hook up, they'll give you the least amount of information possible so that you don't know a lot about them. So what I meant by that when I wrote that down is that I used to think that certain guys were just bad at communicating. I used to think that certain guys just weren't deep. They were very surface level. They just didn't really want to get to know me that much. Um, They didn't like having deep conversations it's not that. Okay. And I've actually talked about this with George. Like he used to be, he wasn't like ever a fuck boy, but he was a player in his days. Like, you know, he did have, um, as he likes to say, he did have a lot of game. And so he told me that guys are not dumb. Guys are not non-communicators. Like if they're not opening up to you and if they're not letting you know things and they're not answering questions, it's because they're trying to 
keep it secretive and they're trying to give you the least information possible because they just want to hook up or they just want whatever x y and z it is that they're getting from the relationship because when a guy is genuinely interested in you he wants to know about you he will ask you questions about yourself he will tell you about his life about his family like they can talk for hours like men are good good communicators it's just that if they're not they're probably not interested so that's one thing that i wrote down that had kind of channeled through the other thing that I wrote down that kind of channeled through was that marriage is not the end goal, okay? So just because a man in your life doesn't propose doesn't mean that he's not serious. So I feel like what marriage has become has become a very societal-driven, like conditioned belief that we women feel is like the ultimate act of love and the ultimate act of like choose being chosen and that security and that um because women ultimately want to be secure we want to have safety we want to know that we're being chosen we want you know certainty okay this is what's coming through right now we want to have certainty but guess what there is no fucking certainty in life there is no certainty look at it. Just because you're married, does that mean that you're never going to get cheated on or cheat on somebody? Absolutely not. Just because you're married, does that mean that you're never going to get divorced? No. So marriage is not what we want to shoot for when we want to shoot for security, safety, commitment. Okay. What we want to shoot for is being on the same page with our partner. We want to shoot for having similar values, goals, you know, similar lifestyles that we want to live. We want to be able to plan a future together and not be so attached to to this idea of like certainty forever till death do us part. Because also in a lot of spiritual teachings, which I really, really believe in, is that we're not always meant to be with one person for the rest of our life. Like if there comes a, a time where there is no more growing like involved. If we're not moving towards the same sort of thing, we don't have to have the same interests. We don't have to like the same things. But if we're not moving towards the same place and maybe one person is not at all interested in growth and involvement of their soul and they're just staying the exact same, if you're someone here, you are on a spiritual path, like you are on the growth path, you want to move into your highest involvement, you want to connect with your highest self. If your partner isn't on that same page, and it can look very different, it doesn't have to look like stereotypical spiritualness. But if they're not someone who also like has goals and wants to move forward, then there could be a time where you guys part ways because it's just you've already received what you need from the relationship. So it's okay to move on, you know, and it could be amicable. And then there's times where things can get very toxic because we cannot predict the future. Like you might fall in love with somebody now and like, yeah, everything is aligned, but then who's to say what's going to happen 10 years down the road? It might become toxic. It might become abusive. And then that would be a reason to leave this person. So marriage doesn't protect you from any of those things. Marriage is a construct that our society puts a lot of value into and it makes a lot of people feel very bad about themselves when they're not getting proposed to or they're not getting the ring. They're not getting married. It's like, why is that the goal? If you guys are in a committed relationship and things are going great, what is this marriage going to do to it? 
you know, besides kind of add more pressure. And if you're somebody who really is excited to get married, maybe you are married, you love being married, that is perfect. But I'm just talking about the, I'm talking to the people who are putting their worth tied, like tied up around getting the ring, around getting married. That's all they can think about. Again, if you are someone who's listening to this podcast, I know that's not all you think about because you are, you're someone who's interested in purpose. And so I know you're on the purpose path. So that's not you. But if maybe you know people in your life that like, oh my God, they're just obsessed with getting married and there's like, it creates division in their relationship because they're so upset that they're not getting proposed to. It's like, that's sad. That shouldn't be a thing. It's a human thing. It's not a, it's not a spiritual thing. It's not a, a God thing. It's, um, it's a human thing that we've constructed. <laughs> um, okay. So sorry, that was like my little tangent of notes that I wrote down of like channeled things about love. But anyways, so like I was saying, when I first, um, so those are the reasons why I feel like we started off on a really good foot because we had a lot of boundaries. We had a lot of trust with each other. Now, like I said, when I first got into the relationship, I didn't, I wasn't on my spiritual path. I wasn't really doing any internal work. And so I would have a lot of jealousy come up. I would have a lot of agitation. Again, these are like my shadows in my Venus sequence. Agitation, weakness, fantasy, impatience, force, inadequacy. So all of those would come up all of the time. And I remember a very specific time. I think we were dating for like a year and a half already. And we lived together. We had an apartment together. And he wanted to go play basketball with his friends. He loved basketball. And I was so upset. I was like, why all of a sudden does he want to go play basketball with his friends? And I started creating these stories in my mind of like, oh, he must be wanting to go do something else. Like they're probably not really playing basketball. They're probably like, I don't know, like going to talk to girls or it was just like so stupid. But in the moment I was extremely upset and I was like having a meltdown and he was just like, what is going on? And so he, so we got in an argument and he did end up going to play basketball and that reopened so many wounds of my past relationships where I was lied to, where I was told, oh, I'm going to go here and hang out with the guys. And really I was getting cheated on, or really he was doing something else. And so there can be so many old past experiences that we have not healed from past relationships that are going to come into this new relationship if we don't heal that old karma. Because <clears throat> karma is now being created in this relationship because some past wound that I had from a past relationship, which has nothing to do with this relationship, I was triggered. I brought that into here. And now I'm creating this like, argument and this really big like meltdown in this new relationship which is creating a weird dynamic for a moment because I didn't heal this old pattern which has nothing to do with this relationship you know like I was never cheated on in this relationship he's never showed me any signs of having to be worried but for some reason I'm carrying this through. And so that's why it's so important to do the inner work to see what are our triggers and why are we being triggered? And then having a partner that you can talk to and like share these things with, share it, maybe not in the moment of being triggered, but like later on, talk it through so that they can come and give you the reassurance that you need, which is very healthy to move forward in this relationship, knowing like you don't have anything to worry about because it is very helpful for our partners to give us that reassurance, even though it is an inside job to heal these wounds that we have. 
So that's a little side note. But since I then went on my journey of like healing myself, learning more about myself, I was able to be stable in myself. And so I think I've talked about this in a past episode, but I have more of an anxious attachment style. And so it's that fear of being abandoned. It's that fear of like not wanting to get in a fight because I would feel like, I honestly, you guys used to feel like anytime we would get into a dumb argument, I felt like I was going to get broken up with, which is like ridiculous over like how dumb these arguments are or disagreements even. I wouldn't even want to have a disagreement or speak my truth because I felt like I was going to be abandoned and broken up with. So Arguments were really hard for me because George is someone who needs alone time. He has more of an avoidance attachment style. He likes to withdraw and be by himself. I want to, am like needy and like want to fix it right then and there. And so it creates this like horrible feeling. And I've really seen over the years of our relationship that has been healed so much because now it's like, okay, like, wow, we're getting an argument. I know we're not going to break up about it. Um, And I'm even so disattached in a healthy way that if we were to ever break up, I know that I would be okay. Um, And why I say that is so healthy is because we should never be in a place where we're not speaking our truth or um, really being ourselves or doing the things that we want to do because we're afraid that the other person might leave us. And so I feel like it's very... um, I feel like it's very healthy and I've had so much growth around being able to be like, okay, I am so unattached to the point to where if for whatever reason, if we do break up, I know that everything will be okay. It's going to be so horrible and like painful, but I don't need this person. It's like, I'm choosing to be with this person. I'm choosing to be with this person every day. It's a conscious choice. I'm not stuck with this person. And so I don't need them. And that has taken a lot of um, like pressure off of the anxious attachment style. Because it's like, when you're like, oh, like I'm okay. I, I will be okay. It kind of allows me to get out of that Eden loop that I was talking about where we're like both triggering each other. I can like get out of it. And then let time pass instead of forcing. Forcing is one of my biggest um, wounds as well. Instead of forcing, trying to fix things to be better, just like, okay, giving it space, giving us time to like rest. And like, even if it's only like 20 minutes, that used to be really hard for me in the past, which is just so funny. But being like, okay, it's going to be okay. And then learning how to soothe myself. That's something I love about the Venus sequence is like when we're feeling a trigger and relationships are our biggest trigger, which is why I'm obsessed with the sequence. And even if you're single, you can use your relationship with your mom, with your dad, with your um, best friend, with your brother, your sister, your kids, your best friend, whoever like your closest relationships are, you can use this, this sequence to look at your shadows and gifts. But it's so cool because when I realize that, oh my goodness, I'm sorry. I completely just forgot my train of thought, but it's so cool. I'll just take it somewhere else. It's so cool because when we're able to use this sequence and realize that, oh yeah, when our biggest triggers are happening, like when we're feeling like so hurt, so deeply upset, that is just a part of our inner child. It's either going to be someone it's either going to be a stage from being 
born to seven years old, seven to 14 years old, or 14 to 21 years old. So those are the three seven-year um, cycles where we created these patterns of mental, emotional, and spiritual IQs. And so when you're feeling deeply triggered, if you can just feel into that and just know that that's just a part of you that is feeling so alone, so not heard, so misunderstood, so abandoned, so rejected, just so deeply hurt. And if you can sit with that and allow that pain to transmute itself and just be curious, like, what is this showing me? Like, where is this stemming from? Where have I felt this before? And if you can just do that inner work to just sit with that feeling and not grab the phone, not go on social media, not start eating, not, you know, not grab a snack, not watch Netflix, not call a friend, like not distract yourself, but actually try to sit in that feeling. That is how we heal these wounds. And then they literally like will become released out of us. It's kind of like little, um, what book did I read this from? Oh my goodness. I can't remember the name of the book, but it's basically like when we have traumatic experiences or even from past lives or just things that have happened to us, they create this little, like you can think of it as like a little energetic bubble, like inside of your body. And it just stays there. And when you're being re-triggered, you're like going into this bubble, right? And if you can just sit with it, let the feeling pass, it will pop and it will leave you forever. And you won't have to keep like revisiting that. But when we are experiencing that pain from that trigger and we distract ourselves instead of going into it, even if it's just for like two minutes feeling it, it's not going to pop. It's going to stay in there. And so we're going to keep going through different new experiences, which are just going to keep bringing that pain of that bubble up until we're able to sit in it and release it. And that is also how we're kind of able to go into these like gift frequencies because we're all meant to thrive in relationships. We're all meant to have very loving and um, healthy relationships. Not to say we're not going to argue or have disagreements, but it's going to be based on peace, respect, love, communication, kindness, trust, consideration, sacrifice. Like those are all words that are going to be in a healthy relationship. And my um, frequency states that I would love to say are awakening, tenderness, emanation, timelessness, majesty, wisdom. Like imagine that in a relationship. Those are my highest frequencies. And I would love to know what yours are. So if you look at your, just take a drink of water. If you look at your Gene Keys profile, look at the Venus sequence, close your eyes. Well, don't close your eyes because you're going to read them, but just say, wow, imagine my relationship and read your city frequencies out loud. Imagine my relationships are all based on the essence of awakening, tenderness, emanation, timelessness, majesty, wisdom. Like how beautiful is that? Mm, That just feels so good. Um... So yeah, so um, I hope that was helpful. So I feel like that's kind of like, so I feel like that's how our relationship has progressed. Um, So 
yeah, it was based off of like trust, mutual respect. Um, there was a very clear indicator of when the relationship started. He took me on a date and then he asked me, will you be my girlfriend? So I knew exactly like, yes, I will be your girlfriend. Like there was a clear beginning to the relationship. I was not wondering. I wasn't confused. I didn't have to ask. I wasn't in this like state of limbo. I always knew exactly what was going on. We had very clear boundaries from the beginning that, you know, he did not want a partner that partied. He did not want a partner that drank. He did not want a partner that went to bars, clubs. I said, amazing. I've been searching for a partner who is sober because I also want to be sober. I don't want to live this lifestyle anymore <clears throat> of partying. I had been praying to God, searching, searching for one cool person to show me that life could be so fun without drinking. And he is hilarious. He is so much fun. He's Pisces. Um, son and he's he has so much um like pisces cancer in his chart and so it really like balances me out like all of my capricorn seriousness like he's made me such a joy to be around like i've learned how to just like be silly have fun i used to be so embarrassed to like dance and i used to be like so in my head very capricorn serious person um but just being in his presence like helps me be so silly so fun um he's yeah just like hilarious and so we have a really solid like beautiful relationship and it was always built off of like i said these strong boundaries from the beginning so we were never questioning like is this okay like can i do this it was very clear boundaries um <clears throat> and it was perfect for me that <clears throat> those dynamics wouldn't be perfect for someone who loves to go out who loves to have wine who loves to drink with their friends and like party like that obviously wouldn't be a perfect match and so that brings me to, to my next thing of like it's important when you're choosing a partner to choose a partner who aligns with your lifestyle so you and again I'm not a relationship expert but this is just something channeled that I wrote down from the records that I think makes a lot of sense so it's important to chant to get with a partner um, or commit to a partner if you want to be in a committed relationship who aligns with your lifestyle. So that means like if you are somebody who's like a homebody and you don't really like going out, it wouldn't make sense to choose a partner who loves going out. Maybe it would make sense for you actually. Like you know, opposites can attract, but it's more of like, how do you guys see yourself spending time together? Because if you're somebody who wants to spend a lot of time with your partner, it's important that you have a partner who also wants to spend a lot of time with you. If you're very independent and you like a lot of free space to go and do your own stuff, it's good that you have a partner who also likes to do that. That way it's just like equal vibes, equal um, time together. Not, neither one is better than the other. It's just finding someone who's on the same page. Also, I think it's very important, and I wrote this down, that if you are someone who doesn't drink, it really is so valuable to also have someone who doesn't drink. Like I've just seen it in so many different ways in my life and close people's lives to me that it's so hard. Like if you're committed to an alcohol-free lifestyle and you're with somebody who really likes to drink, like it can work. Everything is possible. But that's not the highest timeline for you because it, it can just create so much, so many issues, um, resentment, tension. I would just highly recommend like going with someone who has the same, um, 
I don't even know if that would be like a value. It's just a choice, like a lifestyle choice. Just like I would never be interested in dating someone who smokes. Like I do not smoke. I'm not a smoker, cigarettes or weed, but I absolutely cannot date somebody or be in a long-term committed relationship with someone who smokes cigarettes. Like it's just disgusting to me. And um, not even coming from a place of judgment. When I used to drink, I used to smoke cigarettes, but it's just so gross. Like it's just disgusting. So I would not want that. I cannot imagine kissing somebody who's a smoker. Um, and these are all just like things that can be boundaries because if somebody's a smoker, they're not necessarily going to quit smoking for somebody. You know what I mean? I mean, maybe they can, like, I quit drinking, but it's because I already wanted to. So that was already on my highest timeline. Um, So just think about these little things, like little practical things that maybe we don't think about all of the time. And then, um, yeah. And then also I wrote down that like, we don't have to have the exact same interests as our partner to make it work. But I think what's important and what's been really important in our relationship is like me and George have things that we really like to do together and that we like really have fun doing. We really agree on. And then we're both like very independent. We're both single definition in, in our human designs. And so like, we don't need another person. And so he's good to go do his own stuff to work on his business. I like to work on my podcast. I like to work on my business. Um, he likes to play video games. I like to like channel, do Oracle cards, like all of the fun stuff I like to do. We both have our own shows we like to watch. And then we all, we both have shows that we like to come together. And I've never had that in the past. Like I've always been in, um, very, um, shit, the word is escaping me. Um, where it's like, you're really attached to the person. Um, but it's unhealthy. Um, codependent I've always been in very codependent relationships where it's hard for me to like let the other person do his own thing and for me to like do my own thing like I had I could not enjoy myself in peace and quiet I could not just be at home by myself and be happy I was extremely depressed anxious as hell um I would have fear of missing out I was always like oh my god I wonder what they're doing and I can never just have peace and that's one of the best things in my relationship is that I have 100% peace. I am so at peace even when I'm by myself because I fully trust my partner and I trust that. Hey, and this is not coming from certainty because anything can happen, but I know that if anything does happen, I will be okay. And so that's where that peace comes from. It's not from certainty. It's not from knowing. It's just that, Hey, I release everything. I have full trust and I am at peace and I'm also at peace with myself because I've done the inner work to work on my healing and to really enjoy alone time. Like I talk about all the time in my other episodes, I used to never like being alone. It was very difficult for me, Um, but now I freaking love it. So yeah, I just wrote down like healthy is like, it feels totally neutral when they go do their own thing. When they go with friends, not healthy would be like always worried about what they're doing when you're not there or worried that they'll like your friends more than you or being extremely jealous and like seeing them like check out other people all the time. Like me and George can both agree when we see like a really beautiful woman, but it's like in the past, my exes always like made me feel very bad and would like, um, like check out other people in front of me, but to a way where it's like really rude. And I had like really bad insecurity issues. So it just made me feel like shit all the time. And I don't have to feel that anymore. I also have a partner who makes me feel, oh, this is a good one, you guys. 
having a partner who makes you feel very sexy and hot. Like every day, like so many times a day, George tells me how hot I am. Like he'll smack my ass. Like he just, and sorry if that's TMI, but he just like thinks I'm so hot. And I feel like he's so hot. And I always tell him how hot he is. And there's so much passion there. And even though we've been together for going on eight years, we still keep the passion alive, which there has been times where we've been in ruts where it's like not passionate and it's like a roommate style, but then we learn how to get back to it and you have to keep getting back to it. Otherwise that is, I think how people fall out of love because sex is so important and having passion and just genuinely like thinking each other are so sexy and really like bring like building each other up and making them feel like the hottest like sexiest um handsomest person in the world is so important like I feel so good about myself all the time because of my own inner work but also my partner makes me feel so good so wanted and so if your partner isn't making you feel like the hottest bitch in the world that's something that you can talk to them about (laughs) because not everybody's love language is like words of affirmation or physical touch, but those things are extremely important to everyone. Like you want to feel like the hottest bitch in the freaking relationship. So I think that's something that has really served us is like, yeah, it's very important. Um, let me see if I have any other notes. So yeah, so that's just kind of like a little, that's just kind of what wanted to come through um, on love and relationships. That was a little bit all over the place, but I'm going to think about what to title this so it makes sense. But yeah, at least I kind of showed you like how some of my, like my core wound of inadequacy kind of like showed up through all my little like relationships and how I kept attracting these like patterns of, you know, guys just like choosing to like my friends or not choosing me and always feeling like I was inadequate or not the one being chosen. And now in my relationship, I just feel like so chosen every single day. I feel like passion. I feel like I don't have to worry about it. I feel like the most important person in this relationship to my partner. Um, and they're the most important person to me. And so, um, it's just so important, I think. And yeah, so I'm, I would love to know, like, if you're single or in a committed relationship, I would love to know if any of these, like, personal insights helped you. They're not really tips, but it's just kind of like what came through to me. Um, And, oh, the other cool thing that I wanted to announce is that I am going to be collaborating with a super cool person. I'm not really going to announce the exact details yet because they haven't announced it to their audience, but, um, I am going to be doing something, um, in somebody's membership and I'm going to be, we're going to be, um, I'm going to be leading them through the Venus sequence and it's going to be on the week of February 14th. So Valentine's day which is kind of why I wanted to talk about this today, but I'm going to be leading a workshop all about the Venus sequence and how exactly you can, you can print out your profile ahead of time. I'm going to walk you through the sequence. So you can learn how are you attracting the people in your life? Is it coming from a shadow frequency or is it coming from the gift or city state? Like, are you having the same patterns show up? We're going to talk about 
um, your mental, emotional, and spiritual IQs in relationships. And we're also going to talk about um, how to turn your biggest core wound into your vocation. And so that's going to be super, super fun. So just keep a lookout on my Instagram stories. Um, I think she's going to have all the graphics and everything done next week. So we'll probably start promoting that like a month in advance. Oh, it's exactly one month away today because right now it's the 14th. So yay. So yeah, it's going to be set for Monday the 12th and you can sign up by, um, I'll, I'll just talk about the details later. Sorry. I think I'm getting like a little ahead of myself, <laughs> but the other coolest shit you guys that I want to say is that I have really been staying off Instagram and taking a huge break of just listening to my generator responses, like only doing things that really light me up, focusing hardcore on my like healing um, opening my Akashic records, doing all of my like nighttime skin routine, doing my acupuncture mat, breath work, um, sleeping a lot, moving my body. Not, I haven't been back to the gym, but I just um, bought a new membership literally last week. I am a little nervous to go because of COVID, um, which is another topic, but yeah, but I'm excited that I got my membership updated. Um, and I've just been doing, I've been literally responding to things and look at this opportunity that came to work with this person, you know, like my gut responded to that. And then now I'm going to be doing a masterclass for her community. I'm so freaking excited. And so like following our design is when these aligned things come to pass. We don't have to constantly be showing up on social medias, like forcing things or like creating content that doesn't hit just because we feel like people are going to forget about us. Like my, I still have the exact same people listening to my, um, obviously I don't know who listens to my podcast, but I can see numbers and I have the same exact, um, people showing up week after week. And I'm not even promoting this on my Instagram. Like I'm not even talking about the podcast or I used to show like weekly, like, Oh, the podcast is up and like put a link up there, but I haven't been doing that. And the same people are listening. So that just shows that like, our people are our people will find us. They will stay with us. We're not going to be forgotten about, like we don't have to show up on social media. I am going to be going on social media again because I'm creating really aligned content and I'm excited to show up. So if you do follow me, you'll be seeing that I've been showing up recently, like yesterday and today again, just because I'm so excited and I had such a great break. But just wanted to say that following my generator responses, only doing what I want and girl, it feels so good. Um, <clears throat> So that's a little life update. So look up for those announcements um, so that you can join her membership and come to the workshop. If you want to get a Gene Keys reading, the link is in my bio. I'll also put a link in the show notes below. You can do a purpose activation, love and relationships activation, or we can do your pearl sequence, which is all about how to find financial prosperity in your business. Um, so it doesn't matter what stage of uh, you are on your journey. If you are just starting out, or if you're kind of like a little unclear about your purpose, do the genus sequence so that we can look at what your freaking purpose is so that you can start getting on fire with that. Um, if you're more in like wanting to learn about love and relationships, maybe you're like in a relationship that needs work, or you just want to like heal some inner child stuff, do the Venus sequence. That is life-changing. And if you are an entrepreneur or a coach, or if you have certifications and you're not really sure like where to go in the business, or you feel stuck stagnant, do the Pearl sequence reading because you will learn exactly 
how to do your life's work. You're going to learn how to attract your culture. So like how to attract your people and what is keeping them repelled from you. Um, You'll learn about branding, how your voice messaging should be. And you'll also learn about money, like how you're here to like use money. And also you'll learn like even something down is something down so specific as like what size of audience you're here to like work with. For me, it's the individual. Um, Some people are really good with like groups, small groups. Some people are really good with like big audiences. Some people are here to move like massive global impact. So what's very helpful about that is like, if you think that you have to have like a global movement or change the world, but you're not actually designed to do that. You're actually designed to like thrive, like on an individual level, you might be holding yourself back or putting too much expectations on yourself and feel like gross and yucky. So learning these things about you is going to be so impactful to just get back on track. Like for me, I used to think that, oh, I have to like help so many people and I need to like transform others. And it's like, no girl, I just need to transform myself and show it for myself. You guys know what's crazy? Sorry, this is like really on on point. When I opened up the records, I asked, what should I talk about on my podcast today? What will be in the highest good for my listeners? And it said, this is the message I got. It's not about them. Well, it is about them, but it's about you and what you want to talk about that will make you magnetic and make them interested. Love and relationships, how to have a healthy relationship is what came out. So I'm like, oh my God, it always just reaffirms that like, I don't have to try to be like, oh my God, like how can I help others? Like how can I transform them? I just have to worry about myself and what makes me really freaking excited. And that's where like the dynam- dynamism, I never know how to say this word, dynam- dynamism, oh my God, being dynamic basically is like a gift of mine. That's my culture and that's how I'm attracting my people is like from being dynamic. So if I'm trying to talk about something that like I'm not interested in, it's going to be boring. It's going to fall flat. So knowing that about myself has been life-changing. So if you want to learn about you, um, the link is in my bio. You can send me a DM if you want to just talk about which one would be best for you. Literally any of them would be great. If you want to do all of them, start in order and start with the genius sequence. Um, so yay. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have the absolute best week. Oh, it's one twelve twelve. Awesome. On the clock. <laughs> um, I pray that this episode made sense. And for you real ones, I think it will. Okay. I love you guys. Have the best week ever and I'll see you next week. Thank you so much for being here and listening beauty. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave a review and share the episode with a friend who you know will love it. We can connect further on Instagram at I am Alyssa May. So come say hello, leave a comment of your favorite takeaway on my most recent post. And I cannot wait to connect. Thank you so much. And I will see you next time.